Welcome to the Somatic Human Design Podcast, where I will help you learn to treasure the most powerful resource we have, the human body. To do this successfully, you have to be willing to accept your own limitations and embrace your strengths. If you can let go of the beliefs that do not serve you, then you will find out you are already who you were meant to be. I will aim to do this through educating you on somatic or body awareness, mental health, and spirituality, including human design. Welcome back to the Somatic Human Design Podcast. I'm your host, James Williams. On today's episode, I want to discuss the importance of honoring yourself, honoring others, protecting your energy, protecting your space. I then want to provide you with some insight into the nine human design energy centers. First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to some of my support team, just to name a few that have helped me through our conversations over the last few weeks. Shout out to Melly, Shatira, Eva, Nikki, Nancy, and Joanna, just to name a few, because you reminded me about the power of rest, recharge, and retreat. All of which this is done is, or all that this has done is really helped me to honor my innate gifts and served as a reminder for me to put myself first. Thinking back to my conversation with Dr. G, the part about needing both hands for what is coming for me, I really needed to translate that to make it match my own level of understanding. And for me, I needed to remind myself that I need to be ready on a physical and mental level. Disclaimer, yes, I'm a licensed therapist, but nothing that I say should be taken as advice and to sort of help me distinguish these hats that I often wear. Sometimes I might say something like in another world or another reality where I'm a therapist, that is just me tapping into that other hat, but I really wanna be mindful in making that disclaimer known. And in episodes, it's gonna be a lot more clear for me to, or it's gonna be a lot more important for me to remind myself to put that in consistently throughout the show. But in the therapy world, Uh, there's a modality called dialectic behavior therapy or DBT. DBT defines the word dialectics as taking two things that are seemingly opposite and holding both to be true at the same time. We give both of these seemingly opposite points space by using the word and. We do this to hold space for multiple thoughts, emotions, and experiences. So I have improved my ability to catch the shifts in my energy, and I still have so much more work to do. Because understanding my energy and how it engages with those around me is very important to me. Hell, understanding how energy works overall has become important to me. Back in 2020, I remember having dinner with a couple of friends, and I gave them sort of the first warning amongst many of my friends about the type of conversations that I wanted to start to have with people whenever we would catch up. The types of conversations I wanted to have were about how do we help each other achieve our goals? Asking for help in areas of our lives where we're having problems. I needed to redefine and reinforce my own definition of friendship. For me, friendship is where we can travel to different places. We can do activities together that we've never done before. Anything that requires or that 
anything that helps us to build memories. Those are, and these are the types of connections that are important to me. Because what was no longer serving me was going into situations or going out to eat or whatever, what have you, and having one-sided conversations where I was pretty much just a sounding board, right? Or what doesn't serve me is going into a shared space with a group of people and this friend or those friends talking about or bringing up old memories, missing out completely on the opportunity to build new ones, things like that. So I had learned really quickly after that conversation that I wasn't asking the right people. I saw this quote somewhere and I don't know where it was, whether it was on Instagram or wherever, what have you, but it said something like, you're not asking for too much. You're just asking the wrong people. And so I hold that to be so true because over the last year, I have met people who have matched my energy far more and they have matched my energy at a greater level than people that I've known for over half my life, if that makes sense. Sometimes newer connections are here to serve as a reminder that what you are looking for can be or will be there for you once you replace and let go of the things that don't serve you. So most recently, I had engaged in this 30-day challenge where this YouTuber discussed the importance of energy. He talked about collective energy and how it really does matter how we spend our energy, who we are around, and what those people are focusing on. Basically, what I learned was that if a group of people are constantly speaking into the universe about all of the bad things that life has to offer, then bad things will continue to happen to that group. If a group of people spend their time together bringing someone else down, then that negative energy is being put out into the universe and will come back. So hear me clearly. If you find the right person or group of people who are all about uplifting and sending out positive energy, be with those individuals or that person because that type of energy is going to come back to you. If you are someone right now that's like, I feel stuck or I feel constantly bombarded with negative experiences, I invite you to look around and say, and sort of look, look around and sort of see who is it that you're around? Who are you bringing into your environment? But healthy level of accountability moment because it isn't even about sometimes who you are around as much as it is what are you doing when you're in those spaces? What type of energy are you yourself putting out there? Right? Because over the last two years, I have taken so many trips, but none have been far more important to me than my accountability trip. Because as I will continue to stress, it is important to take a healthy level of accountability. In the past, I have done a lot of harm to people, people who were literally there for me and wanted to be there for me. And these are the type of friends that I had wanted to call into my life for so long. But when they were there, I didn't cultivate those relationships. I didn't cultivate those friendships. Instead, I would go right back to the toxic friendships that were literally causing harm to me. When we speak aloud that we want happy, but we continue to spend so much of our energy going back into the space where those connections are taking from us, 
They are reminding us about all the shitty things we've done in the past. They are literally keeping us stuck in the past. Please do some healthy level of accountability work. In another reality where I'm a trauma therapist, what I've come to learn about trauma, attachment, and relationships is that when someone has experienced relational trauma, they will often reenact those behaviors in their safest and their healthiest relationships. As a trauma therapist, when deciding to work with someone, we are basically creating a safe space where relationship patterns can be corrected. However, your friend is not your therapist. Your partner isn't your therapist. Your parent, your sister, your brother, they're not your therapist. Hell, a coach is not a therapist. Your therapist is your therapist, right? But taking this back to me, when I was in my own active survival mode, I did the same, obviously, right? I would take out maybe some of my frustrations on some of my friends when they didn't deserve it. But it wasn't about, and it isn't about whether or not I did this intentionally, it doesn't matter. The, the damage is still done. The, the pain is still off. The, the pain is still sort of enacted on these on, on people, right? And so it is important to become aware of this behavior. It's important to become aware of when we are reenacting out our issues with people that are undeserving. Because when you are then aware, it is then your responsibility to do something. So I really believe that a big reason why some people don't want to go to therapy is because they don't want to become aware of when they are the villain in their own story. Right? And that is in one of my poems that I wrote where I had to recognize when I became or when I was the villain in my own story, going to therapy means being made aware of those patterns. And that's scary for people. And also, once you're aware, it's your responsibility to do something about it. In DBT, we talk about there being four choices, right? You either change the situation, change how you emotionally respond to the situation, accept and tolerate or do nothing. But knowing that by doing nothing, you might make things worse. And so I tell my clients, all the time in the context of therapy, I tell my clients all the time, you have all of these choices, which one you choose is still your choice, right? And, but we're not going to judge you. We're not going to judge what happens. We're not going to judge if we decide to do nothing. There's hell, there's moments when I've been in therapy and I tell my therapist, listen, I'm going to be willful. I know I'm supposed to do this and I'm going to not do that anyway, right? Uh, we're not judging those experiences, but they're always there's always a choice. First choice is to become aware. Anyway, I really became so, how do I say this? It took me going back to graduate school and being placed at my first internship at the Center for Great Expectations. And CGE was one of the first trauma-informed substance use programs in New Jersey that really highlighted and, and advocated for trauma-informed care before it even became 
the 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 buzzword that it is in New Jersey now, but it took me going back to graduate school and going into this placement to really learn about trauma and decide to go back and do my own healing. And after a while, whenever my therapist would say something, oh my God, James, you such amazing insight. It really bothered me because I'd be like, well, deep down, I know, but now I'm only half doing something about it, right? There was one part of me that was okay with learning and the other part of me that just struggled to fully commit to the change process. But I really did see that I continued to remain stuck because I was not making the active choice to change 100% or to fully turn the corner on all the things that I was doing that was problematic. This was a a lot to do with this was because I continued to go right back to the people that was siphoning my time, taking up my space and demanding all of my attention, right? I'd go to therapy, I'd be moving along this healing journey. And then I go right back into these spaces that were not for me, right? And so that really just delayed all of this work that I needed to do. But over the last two years, I actually since 2015, uh, but most importantly, over the last two years, I have really tried to make amends with people and I've tried to reach out and I've tried to, you know, share my apologies whether it's in person, whether it's via phone call, I've literally written hand letters out to people to try to just reach out and just express my sincerest, you know, apologies. Uh, It was like almost sending out a letter and a bottle hoping that it got to where it needed to be. And I'll never know. And that's okay. Because I also have to realize we can't always heal in the same relationships that hurt us. That's another quote that I read somewhere. And so I really did my best to try to repair so many of the ruptures that I made within my relationships. And once I finally felt like I had made enough amends and I attempted to make a lot of repairs, I started to turn inward because that was the most important relationship that I needed to repair, the one with myself. And earlier this year, I met my soul sister and my friend Shatira Porte, author of I Forgive Myself for Forgetting Myself. And over the last, over this year, when her book came out, it came out in divine timing because it was right at the moment where I realized I was still seeking external validation or external forgiveness that she released her book and I started to work with her on and off and collaboratively working through the book and learning to forgive myself for putting me second and everyone else first. And so those letters that I would write, those requests for forgiveness, they all turned inward. And I spent more of my energy trying to focus or trying to forgive myself rather than I had previously done over the last two years. In her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability by Dr. Brene Brown, she says something along the lines of true vulnerability is being willing to say I love you. 
being willing to ask someone on a date, having to fire someone, having to hire someone. And the reason that this is such display of vulnerabilities because you might not get anything back in return, right? And yet that's where the power lies because I believe even if you are putting this out there and it's not being received, you're still putting out this positive energy of willingness and it's gonna come back in different ways, right? There's so many quotes and so many sayings, right? Like a, a million no's for the right yes, right? All these times that you make yourself vulnerable it only shows the universe that you are open and willing to have that energy come backwards. And so I believe vulnerability and forgiveness is like practicing self-care on a profound, deep level. And after years of heavy insight-oriented work, trauma therapy, studying trauma, healing, soul searching, traveling the world to rediscover myself, at the end of it all, the most important thing that one is encouraged to do, that I encourage people to do, is to rest, right? Because I challenge you to think about this. We might get a million chances to do whatever it is that we want, to get whatever it is that we want out of life, but we only get one human body. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to protect ourselves. We need to treasure our unique design. And so when people are asking me, what is it you are passionate about? I'm literally like, I'm doing it. I'm building a business where I get to help people cultivate and strengthen their connections, rediscover who they are, help them find their life's purpose, help them do what lights them up. That is what somatic human design is all about. I'm not here to tell people their way is bad or that I'm not going to trash talk someone else's service to highlight my own. Because all of this is, again, it's energy that we're spending. It's energy that we're putting out there. I'm just here to say the self-improvement work that I've done, I'm offering through a lens that, I, that I've created, through my own perspective, you know? So during coaching sessions, as well as in classrooms, I provide something called reflection time. And it's literally embedded in the schedule where it's a few minutes where either my clients or students are actually writing something down after we've discussed it or after we've reviewed it. And I encourage you to engage in some reflection time about the company you keep. Ask yourself, are the spaces you go to, are they mutually fulfilling? Do some of the spaces you go to cause you to feel stuck? AKA, you feel like you're reliving moments where you've made some not so good decisions. I encourage you to think about this because these are the spaces that might be designed to keep you in your darkest. I genuinely believe, unfortunately, there are people out here who really will remind you about the darkest parts of what you've done. 
Is that the type of space you want to continue to be engaged in? Or are you willing and looking to make change? And another question I want you to ask is, why is it you choose to continue to enter those spaces when there are spaces out there where people are willingly extending their hand and you might be willingly slapping it away? I encourage you to think about that. Okay. So before we discuss, before we discuss the nine human design energy centers, let me share some general things about the human design body graph. So go back to mybodygraph.com or daylunalife.com, select get your free chart, put in your what, birth date, birth time, location, make sure it is correct. And what you're going to see, and I've seen this fairly consistently am amongst many different websites, they might just have a few different things about detailed information, but for the most part, when you populate your chart, you're going to see your human design body graph. It is very helpful to book a reading with someone that can help you understand all of these many different elements that are specific to you. And when you look at this body graph, you're going to see nine shapes that include some squares, triangles, di diamonds. These are what we call energy centers, and we're going to cover them in a moment. When you look at these energy centers, you're going to see numbers and lines that are coming off of them. These numbers and lines are called gates. Gates are essentially characteristics, traits, or parts of who you are. If you look at a number or line or, or a gate and you see it is black, that is a characteristic or quality that you would often recognize within yourself. If it is red, it is something you possess within you, but you may not recognize it unless someone else points it out. And if there's no color or if it's a white gate, then that is something that does not consistently show up for you in this lifetime. Okay, when you look closely, you will see that one gate is connected by a line to another gate. And when these two gates are connected, they are forming, they form a channel. The only way a channel means something to you or is consistent for you is when it is either colored red, black, or both. And sometimes you might see a gate or channel that's covered or that's colored in both red and black. There are 62 gates and 32 channels. And I think I might've said that number wrong. 64 gates and 32 channels. So once again, black, anything colored in black means that it is something that you would easily recognize within yourself. If it is red, it is a characteristic or quality that you would not otherwise recognize, but someone else close to you might say that represents who you are. Okay. I repeat, get a reading. It would make things so much easier for you. Okay. So... Once you go back and you look at the nine energy centers, 
you will either see that your energy centers are either colored or uncolored. If your energy center is colored, that means it is defined. What a defined center means is that you are here to consistently give to the world. You are here to consistently teach from that energy center. It is the gift that you're here to offer others. What is not colored or what is undefined is what you are here to receive from others, the lessons you are here to learn from others in the universe. These, these centers, legit, they mirror the chakra centers, except in human design, there are nine. So from top to bottom, there is at the top, the head or crown center. Right below that is the mind or anja center. The square below that is the throat center. The diamond directly below that is the G center or the self. The little triangle to the right of that is the heart or ego center. Shifting back to the left, the square is the sacral center. To the left of the sacral center is the spleen center. To the right of the sacral center is the solar plexus or the emotion center. And what is at the bippity bottom is the root center. So let me explain the centers. I'm gonna go work my way back upwards. Okay. So at the very bottom of your chart or body graph, you'll see the root center, which is responsible for pressure and drive. When your roots, when the root is colored or defined, that means the person has a consistent way of dealing with stress, meeting deadlines, meeting large tasks. This is because the root is related, the root center is related to the adrenal glands, which is something that provides adrenaline. The root is also one of two pressure centers in the body. Some of the things that people with a defined root notice is that they might run the risk of seeking constant stress to get work done. And I'm only speaking from personal experience as someone with a defined root, especially in college, I had a tendency of waiting for the last minute to get assignments done. And about five hours before the assignment is done, I'm ready and I'm like cranking out the assignment. And it, even when I was still passing all of my classes, I I just didn't care. It was just like, I'm just going to do this, right? Like, that's just, it's like, this, I use the stress to motivate me. And that's actually so unhelpful in the long run because I really did start making that the norm. So it's really not good or consistent to continue to flood your body with stress hormones because then you're weakening your immune system, you're burning yourself out, right? It's all about finding pressure, finding balance, not pressure. Those that have an undefined root, they often go with the flow. They're a little bit more relaxed 
you might find yourself feeling these bursts of energy where you feel like you're able to handle pressure. That might be because of the energy or the people that you're around. Again, what is open and undefined is something that we're absorbing from the people around us. So it's very important to be mindful of the, the people you keep. At this point, I'm just going to say, be mindful about the energy you keep around you. Next up from the root is the sacral center. The sacral center is the, the second square from the bottom. It is responsible for desire and it houses consistent life force energy. This defined center is really consistent with individuals that have a manifesting generator or generator profile type. Go back to my previous episode to, to hear more about the human design energy types. But man gens or generators all have a defined sacral. And that defined sacral is essentially, it, it houses, again, consistent life force energy to build, to operate. It's like a battery operating system. My my clients that, are, that have generator parts in them, they say sometimes it's like they can work for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours, and they don't get tired. But mostly it is connected to when they're doing something that lights them up. When they're doing, a couple of them are teachers. And when they're working with the kids, they're like, I will literally spend so much of my time and energy building something for the students and playing with the students because that's what brings me joy. What doesn't light them up, what they don't always feel like they have consistent energy for is the paperwork and the politics. So the sacral center is also known as the sex center because it relates to testicles and ovaries. And based on whether or not you have an undefined sacral, I'm sorry, based on whether your sacral center is defined or undefined, and more so if you have an undefined sacral, it also depends on what gates you have that come off of that. That really speaks to your sex life and intimacy. Someone with a defined sacral center, they really can benefit from learning to tune into their environment to allow that to determine whether or not something is good for them based on their gut reactions to what they're they're looking at. I literally went to eat with one of my friends who was a generator and we're looking at steaks and I'm like, oh my God, I really want the steak. But when I was around her, I felt sort of this like, I can't even describe it sometimes like this, hell yes, I want this steak type of thing. And that's not really how I normally respond to food. Sometimes I'm so freaking indecisive. I'm looking at the menu. But when I'm around her in particular, especially since I started looking into and studying human design, I realize a lot more often now when I'm around someone with a generator type, when I start to make sure like those generator sounds of like, oh, hell yeah, I really want that, right? And if I think about getting a well-done steak, I'm like, hell no, right? So if you are a generator, a man gen, those bodily reactions and instinctual responses that we get from something that's exciting or something that sounds delicious, that is like a really good indicator on when your gut reaction is telling you yes for something or when it's telling you no for something. And the research continues to be consistent if you don't feel that hell yeah or that hell no, it just means not right now in that moment. So yes, I 
for some reason I want steak, but whatever. <laughs> Someone that has an undefined sacral center, they're not really meant to work hardcore like that eight hours a day. Again, I use myself as an example. I have undefined sacral center. The idea of me going back to a full-time job where I have to provide a service for eight hours a day is so literally exhausting and like the idea of it is so draining to me that like not that human design confirmed me leaving my business <laughs> leaving to de develop my businesses but I kid you not it was the confirmation I needed to be like I am not capable of literally providing therapy for eight hours a day right so between therapy coaching podcast teaching like my schedule is really in blocks of time that I'm because I have a defined route so I am able to I do have some small energy center um that's consistent with being able to get stuff done but like my work day looks very different than it ever did before and like I can't imagine working 40 hours a week in that same capacity anymore like those without a defined sacral feel burnout on a literal physical level I feel like when I feel burnout it's like sometimes I can't even get out of the bed, right? Someone with a defined sacral might still get up every day and be able to go to work and function, but like emotionally, they might feel just stunted, right? Like it might be more of an emotional burnout than it is an actual physical exhaustion. If I get burnt out again, if I get burnt out, I'm tapped out. Like I cannot get out of the bed. So yeah, get a reading to find out more about whether or not you are a energy being or not as well. So let's go to the left-hand side of the sacral center, and that is the spleen or the splenic center. The spleen center houses instinctual and survival responses. This center relates to the immune system. The spleen center is one of three awareness centers in the body. It's like a built-in radar that is scanning the environment constantly and allows the user to sort of make moment-to-moment -moment decisions and assessments. So in my last episode, I talked about being a projector, a 2-4 splenic projector, which means my authority is splenic. So when I walk into a room and it's getting better and better, it's not all, it's not like it's like some wand or something, but like there's oftentimes I can walk into a room and I'm, I just notice, I'm just like, something's not right for me or the people in here are off or this doesn't feel like a safe space for me to go or I don't really want to be bothered with this. Like, I just get like this, this, ugh, I can't even describe it. That's how challenging it is sometimes. I'm like, uh, if I had some of these other centers, I'd probably explain it a little bit more, but I'm learning to accept myself as I am. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I really do know sometimes, I do I do know if someone offers me something, a proposal, an opportunity, I can tell in that moment whether it's for me or not. I just can't explain it to people. And I think that's where I've often gotten mixed up in the world is I might feel something like something doesn't feel right or someone doesn't feel right. And then people are like, well, what do you mean? Tell me more. And it's like, I really don't have anything to, like there's, I can't, there's not sometimes specific examples of them doing something. It's just the way my, I'm just feeling their energy. And I'm like, this person is like toxic. Like, no, 
what often happens for those who might have a defined spleen is that you get yourself into a situation where you knew not to deal with someone, you dealt with them and you're beating yourself up because you didn't trust your instinct, right? That is like a very defined spleen battle dilemma. It's like literally the story of like pre-two years ago. The fact that this center also deals with health and immunity is another reason why I fell into human design because, or why I was called to go into human design because literally my immune system had been so weakened over the last 10 years, actually it's like 18, so however long that is, my immune system had literally deteriorated because I was constantly going around people and going into spaces where people were just not well. Like between me sometimes being in my not so good space, going around people that are in their not so good space, it's just like negative energy, negative energy. Like, what do you think it's supposed to, it's gonna go? It just turns inward, right? And so to wonder why every time I would go to a job, literally within a couple of weeks, I'm telling you, I know whether or not I was gonna stay at that job. And people would be like, you need to stay at a job for X amount of time. You're never going to get a job anywhere. It's like, really? Because my resume has remained stacked. Like, there's one thing I am consistent at. It is finding a job. <laughs> and if I don't like a place, if I feel like an agency or a supervisor is toxic, they are toxic. And I'm not going to keep justifying why I feel this way. And now that I know about human design, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't need to even I don't even need to explain it to people. Right. But hanging around unhealed people and sort of engaging in that behavior really does. And going against my design, literally going against my human design is what led to my health declining. And so I was tired of going to hospitals and tired of going to all these places to get all these medical things done. So at this point, it's just like I don't either follow my design, still get checkups and things like that, but follow my design or keep doubting myself and lose the only body that I got. Right. So that's my take on that. But anyway, so someone with an undefined spleen, they're ruled by fear in a very different way. They are, again, someone with a defined spleen might ex will experience some of the same emotions. And I believe it's mostly connected to like the fear of not trusting yourself rather than someone that has an undefined spleen where you are you're definitely pulling in fear from the world around you. And so someone without, again, without, with you have an open center, if you have an open center, that means you are taking in more conditioning from others. So someone with an undefined spleen, you are pulling in so much more fear that comes off of others as well. The emotion center is one of three awareness centers, but it also acts as a motor center. So you might have someone with a defined solar plexus or a defined emotion center. Not only do you have an awareness or knowing about your emotions, you feel a strong desire to do something about it. And so you put the knowing and the, the desire to act, you put those together and that is can be very overwhelming. The emotion center also relates to the pancreas, the kidney, the stomach, the lungs, and the nervous system. When you have a defined emotion center, you have a consistent way of knowing how you feel. I've seen and I read in 
a lot of people that have defined emotion center believing that they are good at understanding people's emotions and that is actually backwards it is you are consistently knowing how you feel and how you would feel in a specific situation and you are so again you are aware of this but then you also have the belief or the pressure to need to act so again someone with a defined center you're picking up the emotions of you're, you're picking up your emotions moment to moment okay so if you have an undefined solar plexus that means <laughs> i love it because <laughs> I always worry about how this stuff sounds. <laughs> if you have an undefined solar plexus, you are not a person that is emotional as well as you are someone that is capable of picking up others' emotions. In essence, someone with an undefined solar plexus is very somatically empathic. You literally pull in the emotions of others into your body. You process it. And the moment you leave, it goes away. I had to learn, as someone with an undefined solar plexus, I was like, does this make me, or I was like, this is when I was still practicing full-time as a therapist. It was like, oh my God, am I supposed to be a therapist then? Like, because it sounds like so there's someone that literally is what we would call like true body empathy or true empath true empath right like literally pulling in temporarily and there are people who are like i'm feeling this way because this is how i would feel in this situation which is more sympathy right crazy i'm, I'm gonna have a whole conversation one day about that and people i want discussions and thoughts on that drop a comment Send me a message on, on Instagram about that. Do you still think that that's a bad thing to find that you might be more of a, I'll call it a sympathetic empath <laughs> versus uh, um, an empath? Anyway, so because I don't have a defined solar plexus, literally I'll go into a situation I can, and this relates to being a therapist as well. And partly why at the, after a while I was like, all right, this definitely makes me a good therapist because I would literally, I leave the office and I leave the office. Like, I can't really tell you if I ever had dreams about clients. If I, if I was really burnt out, I would probably have dreams about work, but it was most likely literally related to like managers and like the stress that they put on or like paperwork stuff. But like leaving the office with, with with leaving the office literally i often left it in the office um so yeah but i used to feel really weird like why like why is it most therapists are always talking about they take um certain things home with them and then for me i just never i could never understand that but from coming from a human design lens it makes sense so i would, i often would believe and I actually had a conversation with a friend who has a defined emotional center and we were having a conversation and I started the conversation expressing like my emotions. And then 
they were like, that's how I feel. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't have this. So it, it, craziness, I promise you. It's hilarious in real time or in hindsight, it's hilarious. In the moment, it's not, I'm like, freaking like, what the hell is this? It's not like I'm not, because sometimes I still do think it's mine. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so this or I'm so that. And then when, once I'm no longer, you know what? That really resonates like why they encourage anyone that's a projector, they encourage projectors to have their own space, like to be able to go to sleep sometimes in a separate room, like, or to be able to go on a trip somewhere by yourself and like, just get away from, because being that projector or I'm saying for my, myself, I have so many open centers. When I leave a space, I get to like flush all of that stuff out of my system. And I walk and I, you know, sort of get back to sort of my baseline. It's once I go back to the daily grind, it's also why I can't work 40 hours a week is because I'm pulling all of these emotions in and the more I pull them in, the harder it becomes for me to separate. But when I work my couple of hours and I separate from my job, take a break, take a meditative nap. Yes, I call the meditative naps. Um, so I might be napping, but I might be literally doing nothing <laughs> but meditating or with my eyes closed. Um, but yeah, when I literally separate, like I, I do that, like my schedule is designed now to help me so that I can clear out my energy centers a little bit quicker than when I'm working 40 hours a week, which I just can't imagine doing that ever again. Just going to reiterate that again. So yeah, and my alternate reality of being a therapist, that's what makes it great. <laughs> it's because I have a undefined emotion center. All right. So the other thing about empathy and being a true empath is the more open centers you have, the more empathic you are, because not only is it about the emotions empath, but it's the communication empath, the love empath, the desire empath. And I'm gonna talk, and obviously that's coming from the other centers. All right, going backwards. So I think we're gonna stop. Solar plexus, okay. So right above the solar plexus is the ego or heart center. This is one of the motor centers. So one of the things that, that that causes us to act, to do. It relates to the heart. And the heart center houses willpower and motivation. And also balances with ego. So the heart center works on behalf of the greater good. Or it is something that works on behalf of selfish reasons. The heart center rules our values. It, review, it rules how we relate to material things. So those who have a defined center you harness this willpower consistently, you are true definition of I'm following my heart from a human design perspective. Research also supports that this is where courage, courage comes from and the ability to stand tall and be the, the ability to put your heart into everything. This comes from having a defined heart center. If you have an undefined heart center, the willpower comes moment to moment and it mostly comes based on who you are around. Other parts of human design include the days, the, 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 the ways that the planets pass through certain gates and channels. It might temporarily activate a center, a gate, or a channel that you don't normally possess. So that is why, it, it, yes, it's about the people and the company you keep, there's also universal energy that you're that you're picking up on that activates these gates and channels. However, 
all of those things, if it is not defined or colored in your human design body graph, it is only temporary. So someone with an undefined heart, again, their willpower comes from moment to moment based on who they are around. Someone with an undefined heart might find it likely that they are engaging in a lot of comparisons because they are forever experiencing changes about their ability to follow their heart moment to moment where other people are probably doing it or if they're noticing someone with a defined heart that might be following their following that courage and standing tall and putting their heart into everything you might be comparing yourself a lot so it's important to sort of learn to separate and not have to prove something to other people that is going to be something important for someone with an undefined heart center. So fourth down from the top, third or fourth row from the bottom, right in the middle, 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 is the South or the G center, which rules purpose, love, and direction. The G center relates to the liver, and those with a defined G are constantly or consistently themselves from moment to moment, they can answer questions like, who are you? Because it is consistent day to day, no matter who they are around. I am someone with an undefined G-Center. The one thing I'm consistent about is that I'm able to fit into almost all or almost so many different social settings and social groups. I'm very adaptable. It's probably why I have so many different um, groups that I clicked with in high school, like the band geeks, the theater kids, the ROTC, the uh, those in the, the honor society, National Honor Society, like I was able to adapt and fit into so many different spaces because my, my definition or my G center is undefined, which means I will forever feel these changes and flows with who I am, depending on who I'm around. This is why, again, if I remain in toxic spaces, all that means is I could potentially absorb the qualities of those around me. Insert why I don't hang around people, right? Why I always say I'd rather be in my bedroom alone, taking a meditative nap or watching some sitcom show that I love than to be around toxic spaces where I'm only going to absorb those qualities or characteristics. I can even sometimes feel like when I say something or do something that I know is not in line with how I normally am it's like a weird like oh my god did I just say that thing out loud like if I'm an asshole or something to someone and I'm snippy I'm like that's not really how I am I was like oh crap like it's this whole conversation that goes on inside of my head because I'm I'm becoming more aware of or I have become so much more aware of noticing when I'm out of alignment and when I'm when I'm following my alignment or trying my hardest (laughs) to follow my alignment I also believe that people that are constantly searching for who they are, they might have a undefined G-Center. That's just my own thoughts. I also think that it is people who have undefined G-Centers that are so easily conditioned to be told who they are. And if I ever write this book, I'm going to write this whole, my whole thing, my whole thoughts on identity go into that book because that's just, that's separate podcast for a separate day. But if you have a defined G-Center, you are literally you through and through, no matter what friends you're like, you're literally the same consistent person. 
So there's always pros and cons to having defined and undefined, because again, we're here to teach and we're also here to learn from others. Okay, above the G center is the throat center. The throat center rules communication and expression. If you have a defined, whether you have undefined or defined gift or defined center or undefined, I'm sorry, whether you have defined or undefined center, all of our gifts are expressed through the throat channel regardless. So if you have a defined ego or the heart center, and you have a consistent willpower, you only are communicating, you're still communicating through your throat, even if it's undefined. The way I think about the throat center is also based on how you express yourself. So like, I'm a writer, like I love to write. So I have an undefined throat center, which means I don't have a consistent way of being able to communicate the things that are going on with me, but I can damn sure write it out. And I don't mean text. I actually learned to stop texting because it, like, I don't even know. Like, I'm a handwriter. Like, if you get a handwriting, if you get a handwritten letter from me, it is very important. There's a message in there that I'm really trying to communicate that I might not be able to say out loud or through any other way, except through poetry or through writing. So, and that's because I can trust my instinct and know this person is more receptive to this letter, right? Or something like that. Like it's it's all sort of connected, but because I don't have a defined throat, I have to do a lot of pre-planning on having a conversation. Like I can't just go into a conversation with someone and talk about something difficult and expect the conversation to go well. I'm probably writing a communication script several times over in order to make sure I get all of the points across. If you are someone that has a defined throat center, when people are around you, they're tapping into that. So be very mindful of where the conversation is going. If, especially if they have an undefined throat, that means they're probably not used to being heard or not being able to communicate. So they're like sort of like tapping into that gift, but also make sure that you're still able to communicate as well. All right, so next above the throat center, Second to last, we're almost there, is the Anja Center. The Anja Center or the Mind Center is the area of the body that, or the area of the, our bodies that rule our think, our thoughts, and our mind. It is one of three awareness centers and it relates to the pituitary gland. Someone with a defined Anja Center has a consistent, has consistent original ideas and insights. It's not coming from Others, it's usually produced from self. They are consistently processing information and they're dealing consistently with the information from around them. They're literally able to put their minds to almost anything. The downfall is that they might be over-analytical and looking for things that may not be there. Someone with an undefined mind center or Anja center, they're much more open-minded and yet absent-minded. I have an undefined mind center. I do believe that I am pretty open to new information and new possibilities. Like I don't have a consistent way of saying it needs to be this way or it needs to be this or that way. And I can be very careless. Like if you are into astrology, they blame this on, <laughs> my friends blame this on my Aquarius rising <laughs> 
yeah so i i i, I again whether you go human design astrology whatever the case may be just as a person i'm very careless i forget things i have systems to help me remember things and i still forget the systems that i put in place and yeah, I'm still an open person, open-minded person, always willing to look at something from a different perspective. And it's not, it's not just, it's not my consistent ideas. Like I did not create human design. I did not create somatic um, healing and somatic experiencing, right? And yeah, I looked at these two different things and I said, let's, I can put them together, right? They're not original concepts. They're just concepts that I looked at and put together because they make sense for me. And that's how I got into my healing journey. I hope that makes some sense for people. This is me asking for clarification because <laughs> I do not have a communication center. So I'm always like, what am I saying? And did what I say make sense? So let me know if any of this made sense to you. Feel free to message me as well. All right. So when the, the beauty of having an undefined Andre center is... I also look at people and I can be around people and I can feel when people feel like they're lost and they're confused. And I can't, I used to think it was only when I would look at people until I got into human design and really learned that it's more energies that I'm picking up as well. Yes, when I look at people, I can visibly see if they're in pain or they're doing like, like when I ask someone, I'm like, oh, are, are you a client? Are we looking for strategies to get us out of pain? for a day or are we looking to find strategies that are going to promote lifelong healing like I can see when they're literally making a decision and they're like let's do this lifelong healing and I'm like they're not, they're not you know like I can like it's weird like I can see when people are in pain constantly but I used to only think it was when I would look at people but I didn't realize that it's very much an energy thing as well also why I have sometimes like noise cancel headphones because like so much energy comes into into me and I try to block out as much excessive energy as I can and auditory and visual are ways that I really block out things sometimes so sad that I started to avoid eye contact over the last couple of years because that's not the way to avoid <laughs> uh avoid this energy it's again about the people in the company you keep okay Last, but certainly not least, we have the head or crown center. This rules inspiration. It is the second pressure center in the body, the first being, the other being the root, and it relates to the pineal gland. The head or the crown center is the only other, is the only center in the body that is not, that is only connected to one center. The head center is linked and, and is here to try to find purpose in life. So when I'm sitting around with an undefined, because I don't have this defined either, <laughs> trying to find the outlook on life, probably not going to find it unless I'm around people or I'm having temporary access to it. So those with a defined crown, you also have a defined Anja center, which means you are someone that has two ways of thinking. So the head and the crown is about inspiration and the Anja is about ideas. And so Someone with both of these defined areas is someone that is always thinking. The belief is that there's a sense of spirit that is also found in those who have a defined crown. 
those who are undefined like myself, you experience infrequent bursts of inspiration, basically based on the people you're around, or like I said, the, the transits and when when stars and planets are, are moving, that's when you might get temporary access to inspiration. But those who are undefined often have a love for art galleries. They love being able to go to theater. And it's often because they are living through someone else's experience of inspiration that they find themselves going. Like, that's why I love going to certain museums or concerts or things like that. It's because it's like, I could only imagine what it took to put this work of art together. And I'm pulling that information in momentarily, but leaving it right at, I mean, or it leaves me right as I exit, right? So the downfall to this is someone is, I think the downfall to any center being undefined is that you're going to, sometimes you might, well, I'll speak for myself, I constantly want this center. So it's like, am I looking for all the people that are going to give energy into these centers, right? It's like you're constantly looking for something to fill your cup because there's so much openness rather than being okay with the centers that I have to find. So again, it is so important that you are mindful of the company you keep because if you are around someone that has a defined gate channel or center that you do not, you're temporarily gaining access to that. But are these people using their innate gifts for healing or for egotistical purposes, right? So please honor your space. Honor the company you keep. Reflect on what you are contributing to the world around you. I invite you to do so. Follow me on Instagram at Somatic Human Design. Tag me. DM me, let me know your thoughts. Subscribe, rate, leave a review, share your thoughts. I'm open to hearing and to creating conversation about human design and energy centers. Thank you so much for tuning in with me through another episode. Okay. I want to say thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Somatic Human Design Podcast. When I record and release an episode, I am making the active choice to be seen, to be vulnerable. I am doing what lights me up each time. So each time you make the active choice to listen, you are choosing to join me to be seen as well. Make sure you're checking in with me each week on Wednesday. Subscribe rate, and leave a review. Follow me on Instagram at Somatic Human Design so that we can connect. Send me a message. Share with me what you are doing that lights you up. I welcome it.